I think everyone kind of goes through a time where, especially as a mixed person, you're kind of just like wanting to fit in and, and find spaces where you feel completely included. And I think having multiple identities is a hard thing to accept until you're older. So that's something that I've been really grateful that has been a bigger part of my life recently um, as I've grown older is to understand that it's such a big part of who you are and being Puerto Rican and Filipino is very special and unique to me and something that I'm really proud of. Reina Bonta is a third-generation Filipino and second-generation Filipino-American from Alameda, California. Born to a Filipino father, Rob, and an Afro-Puerto Rican mother, Mia, Reina's parents are both politicians and activists. With her parents working often, a lot of Reina's childhood was spent with her dad's mom, her Lola. I spent a lot of time with her growing up because my parents worked so much. They would drop me off on weekends at her home in Sacramento, and she would take me to these events that she was a part of through these organizations that were largely political, Filipino organizations, kind of uh, about empowering Filipinos, Filipino liberation, rights for underrepresented Filipinos in the Sacramento area that um, were really special to her. And I feel really privileged that kind of some of my first exposure to Filipino culture came through a lens of activism. When Reina speaks of her Lola, it's with clear adoration and reverence. She shared with me intimate memories of how her Lola would teach her Tinklin in the living room, a traditional Filipino dance, how to count in Tagalog with backyard games, and a traditional Filipino folk song by Hai Kubo. Reina grew up in a multi-generational household, living with both her Lola and her grandmother on her mom's side. She credits learning Filipino culture through traditions and activist events, and the multi-generational experience living with her dad and Lola as big parts of her childhood experience and evolution as a Filipino-American. Like Reina and her family, it's not uncommon in Filipino culture for multiple generations and extended families to live in one household. In my family, my mama and my papa, my mom's parents, lived with my mom's brother for many years before they both passed. My Lola, my dad's mom who I never had the opportunity to meet, lived with my dad's sister in the Philippines before she also passed. Family is everything in Filipino culture. It's considered the foundation of all social life. Dr. Patricio Abnalis, or Tito Jojo, who we heard from in episode two, has an entire chapter dedicated to the importance of family in his 424-page textbook, Modern Philippines. That's how important it is to us. The idea of family in Filipino culture casts a very wide net even beyond blood relatives. Close friends, neighbors, co-workers can all be chosen family as well. I have titos and titas that, to this day, I'm not even sure if I'm genetically related to or not. That's what makes our culture so special. We're family. We welcome and choose one another like our own. And we make them our own. And honoring our family and heritage means everything to us. Over the last year and a half, the Philippine women's national football team have accomplished success on and off the field. With a team of mostly heritage players, they've honored their Filipino cultures every time they've worn their national team jersey. Living the tradition of finding family wherever you go, they created a special bond and through it have made history. The Philippines are one of eight nations competing in their first FIFA Women's World Cup this summer. And nothing can take that away from them. All the players on this team have chosen to represent and honor our heritage. They've chosen us. And we chose to support them. That's what the Philippines is about. Family. Blood or not. 
This is Between Two Worlds, and I'm your host, Megan Reyes. In this show, we examine the idea of identity and belonging for Filipino Americans in parallel with the Philippine women's national team, who qualified for the country's first ever FIFA World Cup. We learn from others in and around soccer on what it means to be Filipino and how they've found connection with the culture. In this final episode, we dive into the importance of family in Philippine culture and its impact on the success of the Philippine women's national team. We learn how, with a group of American-born players, football and family have shaped history in the Philippines. As an adult, Reina has expressed her mixed Filipino and Puerto Rican heritage through art as a filmmaker and sport as a professional soccer player. Reina followed in both of her parents' footsteps and graduated from one of the prestigious Ivy League schools, Yale, where she played Division I collegiate soccer for four years. After graduating, she played with the San Francisco Nighthawks, a pre-professional team in the Women's Premier Soccer League, alongside current Philippine international Serena Bolden. In early 2023, Reina, who is 24 years old, signed her first professional contract with Santos, a club in Brazil's top league of women's soccer. Reina was introduced to soccer through her dad and to her Filipino culture through her Lola, and now she has the opportunity to honor them both. Reina is a defender on the Philippine women's national team. And at the time of this recording in June 2023, she was named to the Provisional World Cup squad, moving one step closer to representing part of who she is at the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Reina received her first international call-up in September 2022 for a match against New Zealand, and she made her debut earning her first cap a month later in a friendly against Costa Rica. Knowing Reina's relationship with her Filipino heritage has evolved since childhood, I asked how it may have changed at all after joining the national team. Weirdly, it coincided a a lot with this film that I made as my senior thesis uh, in college called Lahi, and it's about a third-generation Filipino-American girl's journey towards reconnecting with her culture after the passing of her Lola. Reina graduated from Yale with a degree in film and media studies and is a talented up-and-coming filmmaker, having worked on productions for CBS and HBO. She created Lahi, which in Tagalog translates to race, ancestry, legacy, as a love letter to her Lola, who was born and raised in the Philippines and is a World War II survivor. Her Lola's home was burned down during Japanese occupation and her family fled to the mountains to survive. Creating Lahi was Reina's way of memorializing her Lola's story for future generations and their family. Lahi premiered at the Portland Film Festival in 2022 and has played in film festivals all across the U.S. While the film is an homage to her Lola, it is also somewhat autobiographical of Reina's journey in discovering her Filipino culture and honoring its importance in her life. The creation of this film really coincided with the beginning of my career with the Philippines women's national team. And I really felt that I was exploring Filipino identity, both through the form of art and the lens of art and through actively playing with this team and interacting with our staff and our players who are have so many different experiences and connections to culture from so many different parts of the world. And so I think the way that those two kind of merged and were married into this singular experience of kind of every single part of me, artistic and and athletic, were learning so much at the same time about Filipino identity and culture made me feel 
really grateful that every day felt so Filipino <laughs> um, in terms of learning, in terms of learning for sure. Reina's dad, Rob, is a lifelong soccer player who also played collegiately at Yale, where he met Mia, Reina's mother. Being able to represent the country her dad, her best friend as she refers to him, was born in is especially meaningful and powerful to Reina. It's hard, I think, to show some emotion as a dad who wants to be strong all the time, but he's always been so supportive of me. And I think his reaction when I made the provisional squad was one that I'll always remember. He was so happy and sent it in our like family group chat, and which has like a million people in it, <laughs> putting me on blast. <laughs> and he was just really proud and wanted to share the news with our loved ones. So I think that meant a lot to me. And to my Lola, I think she's super excited. If I end up going to the World Cup, we are actually going to be going to the Philippines after to visit family. And I've only been actually one time with my dad. So that opportunity to go with my Lola and my dad as well would be something that feels ceremonious, I think, after the World Cup, but also absolutely necessary as she gets older to share that experience with her. Reina is also really close with her dad's sister, Lisa. Her tita is Lisa Bontasumi, the licensed therapist and sport mental performance coach who we heard from last episode. You're not less of a Filipino if you haven't been there. That's Reina's tita. When the idea for the show first came to mind, Lisa was one of the first I called to share it with. I wanted her as a guest to hear both her personal experiences as a Filipino-American and her professional perspective as a sport mental performance coach. What I didn't realize at the time was she also had a familial connection to the story through Reina. So then my last question for you is a little bit loaded, but not only as a Panay, someone born in the Philippines, also because your niece plays for the national team, but what does it mean to you to see the Philippines? I mean, go you're going to make Cup me cry. I mean, super proud, you know, like I think about like my mom and what it means to her, like her life is about her kids and her grandkids. You know, my brother's on my brother, my niece's dad is like sending us all the links, like watch here, watch this. We're getting up at 6am or like whatever to watch it. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like it's, it's, I'm just, it's emotional, like just super proud, super proud for her as a, as a human being. And cause I'm really close, I'm really close to her and like seeing her express herself in these ways and, and have these experiences, but then also what it means for our family. Reina's dad, Rob, is the first Filipino-American to serve in the California state legislature. If she's named to the final World Cup roster, Reina, a Filipino-American, will be part of Philippine history as a member of the country's first men's or women's national team to play in a FIFA World Cup. Lahi, race, ancestry, legacy. And what a beautiful legacy that would be for Reina and her family. Harrison, weighing her option straight at the keeper, the chance there, see Anis, Anis with the equalizer! Harrison with the cross, Flanagan with a deflection, and Anis, unmarked, had all the time to control the ball and take the shot to equalize for the Philippines. Tanay Anis can trace her Filipino roots back to Lucena, where her mom's family is from. Lucena is a highly urbanized city in the province of Quezon, Located on the island of Luzon, the Philippines' northernmost island, Luzon is also home to Manila, where my mom is from. Tanay's mother, Myla, moved to the United States when she was seven years old, and her family started a new life in Ohio. 
After immigrating to the U.S., Myla had not returned back to the Philippines. Through her daughter's love for and success in soccer, Myla and her family eventually found their way home. Prior to playing with the national team, you hadn't been to the Philippines before. I had, no, I had never been. Yeah. Tanay is an attacking midfielder for the professional club Thorka and the top Icelandic women's league and co-captain of the Philippine women's national team. Tanay has played for the Filipinas since 2018 and through her five plus years has found connection and reconnection with her family. Last year for AFF, since the Philippines hosted it, I was really happy that my mom and my sister, they went. So my mom finally got to go back and my sister got to go for the first time. So I was really happy about that. And they spent like three weeks there, like during the whole tournament. And they went back to my mom's like old house and, you know, kind of got to do like the province thing since everything we were doing was in Manila. A first generation Filipino American, 34 year old Tanay was born in Ohio to her Filipino mother and her American father, Rusty. It was always Mila's goal to bring her kids back to the Philippines so they could visit where she is from. But international travel became a challenge as the Anna's family grew in size. So beyond the opportunity to play soccer internationally, Tanay felt especially motivated to make the national team, meet her mom's family in the Philippines, and connect with her heritage on a deeper level. <laughs> then since joining the national team, like it's been so it's been so great to just be surrounded by so much Filipinoness. Um like I, I love it so much and especially like you know, when we're all in camp together, um, I'm like, my, our physio is like my best friend on the team mm -hmm. one, cause I'm always getting treatment and I need <laughs> like, I'm to be in, in my recovery 30s. room all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. that's my best friend. <laughs> and she's like, totally, totally like my Tita. She's like my mother figure. Um, and it just, she always like, reminds me like of any of my titas any of my ates like mm -hmm. my grandma so like that's what's nice is that like anyone that you're around just reminds you of any of your family as well like it really doesn't like change <laughs> the journey to present day success for the women's national team began in earnest in 2011 to 2012 when former coach ernie nearest first started scouting her heritage players since Nieris in 2011, the women's national team has seen eight different coaches. With a new coach comes new styles and philosophies and players. When Tanay joined the national team five years ago, she experienced a rotating door of coaching personnel and teammates as both current and hopeful Philippine internationals, including herself, had to try out for the team on what felt like a yearly basis. Finally, at the end of 2021, the Philippines found consistency and in turn some comfort with a new coach who isn't new to international women's soccer. In October 2021, the Philippines Football Federation appointed Alan Stachich as manager of the Philippine women's national team, just months before the 2022 AFC Women's Asian Cup in India, when the Philippines qualified for the 2023 World Cup. For five years, from 2014 to 2019, Stachich was manager for the Australian women's national team, taking the Matildas, as they're called, to the 2015 World Cup in Canada and the Rio 2016 Summer Olympics. Part of Stateach's resume includes coaching Sam Kerr, one of the greatest forwards in the world. Sam is Australia's all-time leading goal scorer, 
both men's and women's, with 63 goals and counting, a record that was previously held at 50 goals by Tim Cahill. Sam plays professionally for the club Chelsea, one of the best in Europe, and has captained the Matilda since 2019. When Stachich was suddenly dismissed as Australia's manager in 2019, just five months before the 2019 World Cup in France, Sam reacted on Twitter and said, My trust was in Stay to lead us to the World Cup final, and I believe he was the best coach for that. Thankful for everything he's done for me and the team. At the 2019 World Cup in France, Australia were knocked out of the tournament in the round of 16, losing 4-1 in a penalty shootout to Norway. Since taking over managerial duties for the Philippines, Stachich has led the country to a FIFA world ranking of 46 out of 188 nations, the highest ever ranking for the Philippines as of June 2023. Following the World Cup berth, the Philippine women's national team did receive some criticism for being mostly Filipino heritage players from the US, Australia, Norway, and Canada. Coach Stachich, an Australian native, quickly dismissed this criticism during a 2022 press conference. When you see the amount of heart and the amount of spirit within each player and the unity within the group and, and the passion they have, you know, I, I get a little bit, almost get a little bit incensed at that question about how Filipino the players are, you know, about certain a little bit when, when you see the players at training and how much passion they play with and how proudly they represent the flag and um, what they carry in their hearts, you know, how can you doubt, how can we doubt how much with Alan Stachich's leadership comes the hope and expectation that the Philippines can continue on its upward footballing trajectory. That starts by building a sustainable football culture, much like Australia, France, or the United States. One thing that's different about these countries from the Philippines and many others in the women's game is the players on the senior national teams competing in this World Cup have likely been playing together since the youth level. Take the Matildas. Most of the Australian team began playing together since their under-17 days. For a lot of them, they've spent almost half a lifetime playing together and representing Australia. That's friendships and chemistry that have taken years to nurture. The challenge the Philippines had to overcome was building a roster of players from the Philippines, United States, Canada, Norway, and Australia, where many may have known one another from the soccer world, but haven't played together consistently like the Australias of the world. After years of a coaching carousel and a revolving door of players, the Filipinas are heading to the 2023 World Cup with stability and growing cohesion. A majority of the players on the provisional roster have experienced playing together all over the world, and they did it all in a matter of about 15 months. Like for the first probably like seven, eight months, every camp, we would have like a handful of new players that either the coaching staff wanted to look at, or um, I think we had like a few other times where they would do trials, mainly at that first camp in um, California, that big two month camp, like every week there would be new people coming in and out. And some people would stay for a few trainings. Some people would stay for like a week or two. Like it was just so much like in and out, in and out. And we're also at the same time, like trying to build and progress forward, like as a team. So like the biggest thing was just like, once someone is at a training, like they're part of the team until our coaches say they're not, you know, it wasn't about like, oh, well they're new. So like, let's make sure that they know that they're new and that 
you know, kind of like a no new friends kind of stance was like not something that we accepted and we didn't accept it from anyone like being that way. And so I think it was just a thing where we made sure that like from the top down that trickled down and that everyone was on the same page of like what was important to us. And that was, it didn't matter how long you had been there, how many caps you have, you know, how, what your talent level is, you know, if you're part of the starting 11 generally, or, you know, you're like the 18th player, like those things weren't going to be top priority. It was going to be, we need to get cohesive and to be a unit. Um, Cause that's the only way we, we knew that we were going to succeed. After qualifying for the 2023 World Cup in India early 2022, the Philippines have spent the greater part of the last year and a half stamping their passports together. They've traveled to Vietnam for the 2021 Southeast Asian Games, also called the Sea Games, that was postponed until May 2022 because of the pandemic. That June, they played friendlies in Turkey and Croatia. In July, the Philippines hosted and won the Asian Football Federation Women's Championship in Manila. They then spent the late summer and fall playing friendlies in California, Costa Rica, Chile, and Australia. When 2023 rolled around, the Philippines participated in the Pinatar Cup in Spain, the 2024 AFC Women's Olympic Qualifying Games in Tajikistan, and the 2023 Sea Games in Cambodia. Wow. (laughs) Wow, that's exhausting. It hasn't stopped since you basically tried back out. I'm curious, while that is for obvious reasons, very exhausting. It's a lot of travel. If you're based in the States, going to the Philippines is not an easy flight to do these camps. However, at the same Mm -hmm. time, would you say the continuity of the coaching staff and you all as a team spending so much time together has helped with the progressive success of the team? You're getting the chemistry, you're getting time with each other really almost year round. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten where like accomplish all the things we have without that without the being able to meet up so much I mean I'm pretty sure in 2022 there has never been a national team ever that has played 30 international games in a calendar year we played 30 last year as a national team and I don't think it's ever happened here's Raina Bonta again like at this point, the only continent that we haven't been to is Africa, which is like so crazy. But I think it's like absolutely necessary. And we all have so much trust and faith in Alan as our coach. And we know that he's doing what's best for us. And I think it means a lot to us that they also have families. Our entire staff has young ones or, you know, families that they are also leaving to do to be a part of this journey with us. So we know that it's all worth it. And we're all on the same page of just trying to improve and get better as a team. For my friends and family not privy to soccer, you might be wondering what that number means. Is 30 a lot? Just enough? For context, the U.S. women's national team played 18 games in four countries in 2022. The U.S., Mexico, England, and Spain. The Philippines played 30 games in 11 countries. Sure, the United States are four-time world champions, and the reps may not be as necessary as they are to the Philippines. But 30 is a lot, arguably too much for a player's body. But hopefully, the experience will be invaluable at the World Cup for a team where a lot of the players are under 25 years old. The age range is right now 16 to 33. 
Tanae shared that the last year and a half has been a new and oftentimes challenging experience for most of the team. Being away from home traveling, training, and playing those 30 games. Solving this challenge and mentoring the young players on this team was perhaps the most important for her and the team's co-captain, Haley. Like a lot of them haven't even played, like some of them have played in college, but a lot of them haven't even gone to college yet. And so to kind of like get their worlds like turned upside down um, and it just to change so quickly, um, it's really difficult. And then, you know, we didn't have like, luckily we had the time we had together to just make it a very welcoming environment. Um, that was the biggest thing for Haley and I, the other co-captain, was that no matter who came in and had no matter, you know, where they came from, if they were a Philippine local or they're a Philam or they're from Norway or Canada, anything like that was that like automatically, like once you're in, like you're with us. Haley Long was born in Missouri to an American father and Filipino mother. A defender who primarily plays as center back, Haley first joined the national team in 2016 and is the Filipina's most capped player, which means she has the most international appearances out of anyone who's played for the Philippine women's national team, with 72 appearances and counting. Tanay had a standout college career at the University of Florida from 2008 to 2011, where she scored 38 goals and had 16 assists in 96 matches. She was named to the SEC All-Freshman team in 2008 and an All-American and SEC All-Second team in 2010. Tanay went on to play professionally for the Icelandic club Thorka in 2012. She helped Thorka win the league title in 2012, was named club MVP in 2013, and played in the 2011-2012 UEFA Women's Champions League, one of the most prestigious soccer competitions in Europe. Tanay left the club in 2014 and became an assistant coach at Averett University in Virginia from 2016 to 2017. After some time away from playing, Tanay realized she still had the drive in her to compete. In 2018, she joined the Philippine women's national team and was named captain for the first time that same year. After qualifying for the World Cup, it became clear that professional club experience would be essential to make the final World Cup roster. So Tanay returned to Thorka in 2023. Like at the beginning, when when we qualified for the World Cup, there were three people playing on professional clubs on our team. And now there's like 17. So like that is a testament to all of the work that's been done and how much exposure we've been getting and just the quality increase, you know, with, with that continuity of the coaches and with the resources that we have now and being able to you know, get together every FIFA window and then mm -hmm. play in so many different competitions over the last 15 months, like, unheard of. Her soccer resume speaks for itself. And if you have the opportunity to speak with Tanae, you quickly realize she's inviting, a good listener, compassionate, and easy to talk to. Her leadership abilities are without question. In partnership with Haley, she helped mold a group of young players, mostly Philam and who didn't have much professional or international experience into a FIFA World Cup qualifying nation. Chandler McDaniel was born in 1998 in Orange County, California, and grew up in Corona, which is in the Inland Empire region east of Los Angeles. 
Soccer runs deep in the McDaniel family. Chandler's father, Clint, is a soccer coach, and her younger brother, Griffin, plays for Stallion Laguna FC, a professional club in the Philippines Football League. Chandler plays as a forward, and her older sister, Olivia, is a goalkeeper. They both represent their mom, Lindy, and her heritage as members of the Philippine women's national team. My grandparents are both from the Philippines, and then my mom was born in Northern California. My grandparents, we still saw them a lot growing up, but they would live in the Philippines for half the year. So we wouldn't, we'd see them like every summer. My mom still always made it a point to have some Filipino cultures and traditions for me and my siblings growing up. But I wouldn't say it was like a very huge part of our lives until we started playing with the team. Chandler played Division I collegiate soccer at Virginia Tech from 2016 to 2017, and later at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee from 2018 to 2019. Two years after finishing school, on September 18, 2021, Chandler earned her first cap for the national team at 23 years old during the 2022 AFC Women's Asian Cup qualifiers in a group stage match against Nepal. The Philippines were down 1-0 in the 90th minute, and with seconds left in the game, Chandler's pass found Tanay Annis for the equalizer. Two minutes later in stoppage time, Chandler assisted again, this time to midfielder Camille Wilson, who we heard from in the last episode for the game-winning goal. About a week later, the Philippines played Hong Kong in the final group stage match of the Asian Cup qualifiers. Tied 1-1 in the 87th minute, Chandler scored the game winner and her first international goal for the Philippines. The Philippines won their group and advanced to the 2022 AFC Women's Asian Cup in India, the same tournament that doubled as a 2023 World Cup qualifier. At that tournament in India, the Philippines played Thailand in their first group stage match. Still scoreless in the 80th minute, Chandler was there again. Time running out. Shot from distance, McDaniel, oh no! And what up on Boonsink, who put in a fantastic display in goal. Sees it all come crumbling down in the end. With a slight lapse in concentration, sees the ball go through her legs and cross the line. Chandler's two assists and two goals in the 2022 Asian Cup campaign were essential for our country to reach this fairy tale moment. Perhaps we wouldn't be here without her heroics. But I know that after speaking to her, she would probably redirect the praise and instead credit her teammates, her faith, and her family. As you know, the goal of this show is to dive deeper into the Filipino-American experience. I wanted to know, as a second-generation Philam of mixed race, what belonging felt like to Chandler and if it's something she ever struggled with. I kind of, I guess they made me content with being both because even from an early age, it was always I am both races. Luckily for me, I never had any instance where like, I felt like I didn't belong because I was one of them. So I think my parents did a really good job at just making me understand that I am both of those and like that makes me who I am and I should love both of them. So I guess I'm probably one of the lucky ones in that instance because I know that there's a lot of people who have a hard time growing up with different ones or they get treated differently. Mm -hmm. But I honestly can't recall a time where it's ever felt like that. I've just always felt like to just one thing, I guess, just mixed. (laughs) While the Philippines as a country have uplifted the women's national team the past year and a half, there's also been criticism regarding all the heritage players on the team, as we heard in Stateach's press conference. So I asked Chandler to put it bluntly, if she felt welcomed in the Philippines. 
I think that that was always a question of how it would be in the back of all of our minds because a majority of the team is from the U.S. or even now we have some girls from other countries. I think it just it really helps that the fans are so accepting of us and they're a lot like they're so willing to love us and support us. I think it helps a lot because I know that it would be a little awkward if they didn't. And I know that there's probably some who wish we were Filipino and that's okay. Everyone's entitled to their own thoughts. But um, I think that since we've been able to do so well, especially the team for the past 15 months since India, they've done really well. They've brought home some medals now. They've gotten first place. I think it just shows that we do want to play for the country and we do want to support the country. And I think it's great to have all those fans support us no matter what. Following that now unforgettable shootout with Chinese Taipei to qualify for the World Cup, the Philippines lost to South Korea in the 2022 Asian Cup semifinals a few days later. And during that match, Chandler tore the ACL of her right knee. A little over a year later, Chandler, now 25 years old, recovered and healthy, put back on her Philippines jersey during the 2024 AFC Women's Olympic qualifiers in April 2023. In her first match back after injury, Chandler scored the fourth and final goal of the Philippines' 4-0 win over Pakistan. The Philippines won their group and are advancing to the second round of the qualifiers, where they'll play Australia, Chinese Taipei, and Iran, and continue their hopes of qualifying for the Paris 2024 Summer Olympics. Three years ago, weightlifter Hidalin Diaz won the first ever Olympic gold medal for the Philippines at Tokyo 2020. How special would it be to see the women's national football team qualify for their first Olympic Games and bear the Philippines flag in Paris? How can you not be romantic about this story? How can you not be romantic about this sport, the beautiful game, and the platform it provides for anyone across the world to dream and inspire? Essentially what Mia Hamm and the 99ers were to us, to our generation of Mm -hmm. women and just athletes in general, is very similar to like what you and your team are to future <laughs> soccer stars. And so I have asked people intentionally who their soccer idols are. And so it's very cool when other people say Mia Hamm, because in a way, that's essentially what you are all serving as to these younger generations. So I'm curious to know what that means to you, knowing that you are paving a pathway for people that look like you and want to be you in the Philippines. Um, I don't know that comment you made is crazy. I don't the thought of like us being anywhere near like the 99er teams is like just doesn't like make sense to me because like it's really crazy because a lot of people always ask us like oh like so you guys are role models. Sometimes I'm just like really like I just feel like I'm just playing soccer like I'm just doing something I love. I know when I was a little kid and I was watching those players grow up, I just remember thinking, like, if they can do it, I can do it. Like, I want to be like them. And it really does help having someone to look up to like that. So, I mean, I think I speak for the whole team. And if we're able to be that for someone, I think that's incredible. I mean, that's a crazy feeling. It just makes me so happy to think that even if there's just one little boy or girl who can look up to me and be like, I want to do what she does. Tanae grew up in Zanesville, about an hour east of Columbus, Ohio. The family her mom had in America, her Filipino side, were mostly all in Cleveland, about 150 miles north of where she lived. 
It's probably common for first-generation American kids like myself to long for a connection to where their parents are from. It's that feeling of, yes, my parents made sacrifices to come here, and yes, they knew they would be raising an American with a life much different and more privileged than what they had. But no, I can't ignore this side of me, and I have to explore that Filipino culture. The challenge a lot of us faced is, how? And I always like wanted to be closer, but I... Like growing up, I didn't know how to be. I like didn't know how to get that like connection to them or to like let them know that like, you know, I was acknowledging like our heritage and, and things like that. Like I didn't know what that looked like once I like knew about the Philippines national team and that I could be a part of it. I was like, this is my way. I was like, this is a way that I can connect to my grandparents and like show them that like it means so much to me and and to kind of like honor that, like honor them coming over here and doing, you know, what they needed to do to give their family like the life that they wanted. Since 2018, Tane has co-captained the Philippines national team. She scored 14 goals in over 30 international appearances and is the first Philippine captain ever, men's or women's, to lift a trophy in any AFF competition. As we know, Filipinos are proud people. I shared in the first episode how proud my family was to tell other people that I worked for the Golden State Warriors. And the same feelings extend to Tanae's grandparents, who have a lot to be proud of. They're Filipino, so like they love to tote that around. Mm-hmm. You know, they love to be like, oh, well, my granddaughter's on the Philippines national team. <laughs> you know, like they love to do that. So I was like, I'll give them that. While the Philippines were in Spain competing in the 2023 Pinatar Cup, Tanae received news no one is ever prepared for. Her papa had passed away. Again, we didn't have like the, the bond. That was my connection. And I felt really fortunate to be with the team when that happened. Because I hadn't, at the time, I hadn't lost anyone in my family. Like I was very fortunate. Like this was like my first grandparent, like anyone close to me that has passed. And so I didn't know what that was going to look like for me to be with the team when that happened. Like I wouldn't have wanted it any other way because it felt like I was with family, you know, and I was surrounded by family and I was doing what I loved and I was doing it to honor my grandpa. Family inherently takes priority in Filipino culture. So today's family emergency did not need explanation. Following the Pinatar Cup in Spain, Tane was supposed to return to Iceland. Jefferson Chang, the Philippines team manager and longtime sponsor of the team and federation, booked new flights for Tane to and from Ohio so she could be with her family before rejoining her club team in Iceland. Just everyone came together and I was just really happy that I was able to be there for my mom and her sisters and um, be there for my mama. And so that was like a really special time for me, even though like obviously it was an event you don't want to have to go to and things happen but like it was it was just like a really great like celebration Mm -hmm. of his life and then you know even more reason to just like keep going with the national team and do what we can at the world cup you know he'll get to go Tanae has searched for that connection to her mama and papa and I hope she knows that really there might not be a more beautiful way to connect with her grandpa and honor her family than what she's doing now with the national team. And that by doing what she does best, by simply being her, there's so much to be proud of. 
As one of the longest tenured members of the squad, Tanay is co-captaining the Philippines, the country her mama, papa, and mom immigrated from, to their first ever FIFA World Cup, and hopefully the national team's first Olympic Games. The opportunity for the Philippines to play in a FIFA World Cup may never come again, although we surely hope that's not the case. But at 34 years old, and the next Women's World Cup another four years away, that window of opportunity for Tanay is realistically closing. Regardless of whenever Tanay hangs up her boots, her legacy in Philippine soccer will not be forgotten. Um, going to the World Cup is definitely like, I can say that my soccer career has definitely been fulfilled. You know, I think that's any one stream that wants to, you know, play soccer for a living or play at the highest level, be part of the biggest soccer events, and that's the one. So to know that, like, I was able to to get there, like, yeah, I'll be okay. <laughs> During my interview with Reina Bonta, I shared with her what Lisa Bontasumi, her tita, had said to me what I haven't stopped thinking about. That I'm not less of a Filipino just because I haven't been to the Philippines. I'm so glad that she said that because I really think that is right on the nose. Like the Filipino experience is so, like there's no singular profile or vision of what a Filipino means or who a Filipino is. And then Reina said something that, like her tita, will stick with me forever. There's just so many different ways to like feel connected and it doesn't have to even be in any way that feels like active. Does that make sense? Like to be Filipino, all you have to do is exist. And I think that is a really special thing. We all want to belong. We all want to understand ourselves and know where we fit in. When I first started this show, I hoped to find answers to the questions I've been asking myself my whole life. Who am I? Where am I from? Through the past six months of research, interviews, writing, and self-reflection, I realized I'm Megan Reyes. I'm the daughter of Filipino immigrants, a first-generation American. I don't speak Tagalog, and I haven't been to the Philippines. I feel immense pride when a Filipino wins Miss Universe or when Jordan Clarkson does a slam photo shoot with a Philippine flag. The same pride I know will come when that whistle is blown on July 21st and the Philippines kick off their first-ever World Cup match. I consider my taste for Filipino food basic. I like sinigang, chicken adobo, lumpia, and pancit. Saying words in Tagalog makes me uncomfortable, and I still don't understand what my family is saying half the time. But I'm no less Filipino. I'm Filipino by my own definition. I live between two worlds. I simply exist, and I'm happy with it. Reina's film Lahi is a love letter to her Lola. Between two worlds is a love letter to myself. I learned my experiences aren't much different than those I interviewed. Bianca Verrar and Alex Monis lived a similar experience to me of not growing up around many others who look like you. Camille Wilson, Chandler McDaniel, and Tawny Annis each shared that, before playing for the national team, they didn't have the strongest connection to their Filipino heritage. Just as I didn't have one before riding between two worlds. And maybe for you, before you started listening. My hope is this show touches one person who's also lived life looking for the answer to this existential question of who they are. And I hope my guests and I helped bring you understanding and comfort that you're not alone in this search. We might not be related, but I'm happy to call you my kuya, ate, tita, tito, nanai, tatai, or anything else. We're family now. 
Soccer may never outshine the popularity of basketball in the Philippines, but through its power, we found inspiration, hope, understanding, and ourselves. And that's why it's the beautiful game. My dream is that I can turn the show into a part two with a documentary that allows me to go home to the Philippines, visit the places we heard about, and learn where my parents are from. Forget the fact most of the players on the national team might be from the United States, Canada, Australia, or Norway. They've actualized dreams for themselves and for our country. I would love to see with my own eyes the impact this team will have on kids everywhere in the Philippines. How beautiful would it be if I saw a kid on an open basketball court kicking a soccer ball around and wearing a women's national team jersey? That's just the romantic in me. I truly don't think it'll hit until like the team's actually there. We're standing on the pitch and he's about to blow the whistle for it to start. Like, I think then it's going to be like, oh, like crap, like we're actually here. We're all just girls who wanted to keep playing soccer and had a dream of going to the World Cup. And our original thought wasn't the way that it ended up being. So I think it just shows that if you do have a dream, there's not just one way of getting there. There's so many different routes you can take to still fulfill your dreams. So I just think we're all just a bunch of little girls who love soccer and now are doing our childhood dream. This show was co-produced, written, and hosted by me, Megan Reyes. Allie Williams served as the show's executive producer and really my accountability partner to make sure this project came to life. Involving Filipino-Americans in the creation of Between Two Worlds was extremely important to me. Maria Carmina Landicho edited the show and Lysander Ceceris designed the show's cover art. Please like, subscribe, and share with all your friends, titos and titas. Thank you for listening and learning with me. It means the world. Mabuhay.